With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host. Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks a lot, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Ruth Ellabush, an EMDR therapist. Ruth, before we get started, I want to tell everyone who's coming up on the show next. Our show tomorrow will feature Liff Blaylock, who is a CPA and a specialist in QuickBooks accounting. We're going to be talking about some issues there. A week from today, we're going to have a voiceover IP specialist, Spencer Cotton. He's agreed to step in uh, at the last minute when another guest couldn't make it. He's going to be talking about how voiceover IP hosted telephone systems can dramatically save costs for nonprofit organizations, which would really be good for not uh, small and medium-sized nonprofits on Friday, the 27th, we're going to have Ken Saunders, who is the CEO of Search Engine Experts, and Ken is going to talk about how to optimize your website so that it gets maximum exposure. We can go on and on about who's coming up next after that. After Ken, we're going to have Rick Slifer, who's going to talk, who's a consultant in Annapolis, Maryland. He sold to the federal government for the last 25 years. And Rick is going to talk about things we can do to sell to the federal government. The following day, on August 3rd, we're going to have Don Keller, who is the current president of the downtown Cincinnati Rotary Club. He's going to be telling everyone about what Rotary does for the world and Rotary does for the greater Cincinnati area. And I'm sure he's going to invite everyone who's listening to come to a Rotary meeting. Well, if he doesn't, I just did. Ruth, again, thanks for joining us here today. Let me give the, our, our listeners a quick background on you. I guess I've known you, Ruth, for about 15 years, 16 yeah. years, something like that. Absolutely. Uh, Ruth has been a practicing uh, psychotherapist for 32 years uh, in private practice for uh, 22 years since 1990. Currently, uh, she works in the Blue Ash area. She specializes in the treatment of trauma for her career. During her career, she she was trained in EMDR in 1993, and 
She's applied her EMDR expertise, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, to all areas of counseling. The, I guess I go, go way back to the beginning, how Ruth and I uh, first met. I was uh, walking through a trade show. I think it was in Loveland. And you had a, a table there. Yes, I did. And you told everyone about eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I thought it was hooey. Correct. Most you know, people do when they first hear about it. You know, uh, I thought of uh, REM sleep with people's eyes moving back and forth. And I said, what the hell is this? And anyway, it doesn't have applicability right. to sales performance. Right. Whereupon you told me to read the first book by uh, Francine Shapiro called EMDR, or Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. You warned me that there were two versions, a therapist version and a layperson's version. So I read the layperson's version. And I'm one of these guys, when I read a book, I re actually read the whole book, and so I was reading the prefix. And in the prefix, the book uh, was saying that the, the one of the guys endorsing the book was from the FBI, and I say, wow, this, guy, this must have some credibility. It seems that they had used EMDR therapy to treat victims of the Oklahoma City bombing. And they were extremely happy with the results. Uh, that was an obvious trauma. Uh, then we got involved in looking at sales performance as EMDR had been used uh, to treat Olympic athletes to get maximum performance on the day of the Olympic event as opposed to the day before the event in practice, which generally in, in the Olympics would be a good idea. Uh, Hollywood was using it to uh, minimize the amount of CG they had to, had to do for uh, some of the movies. So Ruth and I discussed the possibility of EMDR being a useful technique to get salespeople to give us their maximum performance on the sales call. Sandler said, sales is, a Broadway, sales is a Broadway play performed by a psychiatrist. And I said, well, I want maximum performance for my actors and actresses during the play. EMDR might be a way to do it. Correct. And we've been doing it with selective clients probably for 15 more years. Uh kind of success ratio do you think we've had? Well, in the first year we tracked it and I don't we don't I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but I do remember that each individual stated that their personal life had improved in the 90 percentile. Mhm. Mm and that that including feeling better about themselves, their relationships, stress they were having and their um, work performance satisfaction had improved in the high 80 percentile. So we had some very good results right away with the first set of people that we worked with. Which yeah. is I remember that. Of EMDR. Yeah, people were uh, saying they're they're getting better. Correct. Mm -hmm. And we we also had some dramatic sales gains. Right. And I would have characterized the success as about 
84%. Uh, it, it, but a little bit differently, I would have said 100% of the people said they felt better about themselves, about about their business life and their personal life. Yes. But 10 or 14% of the people left the occupation of selling. Right. Sometimes that's the outcome of the work, is that people get more clear what is working for them, and sometimes that means they know they're not salesmen. Right. Or they had gotten into sales for the wrong reasons. Correct. So, uh, which was actually uh, the case for one of the people we put through the NDR early who had worked for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, this gentleman claimed there was nothing wrong with him, but as a result of going through EMDR, he remembered that he was an abused child because he had watched his dad beat his younger brother with right. a stick. Right. And he what? he went into sales because his dad was a salesperson to get back as his da- at his dad because he wanted to fail. It was a strange uh, yeah. scenario. Those kinds of complicated internal dynamics are commonplace. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't realize what is inside us that might be contributing to the struggles we have as well as the the successes we're having. Right. And he was selling software and he he switched to writing software and became a really happy guy. Changed his life. Which is, I think, a a good success story. Uh, During today's show, uh, Ruth has agreed to take questions from uh, callers. And as usual, we're going to use the same call-in number today. 646 Five nine five four nine one six. Again, six four six five nine five four nine one six. We will screen the callers during the uh, commercial breaks about every fifteen minutes. So if you call in, don't be upset with us if we don't answer the call immediately. Just stay on the line, and we will get to you in the order that the call comes in. Uh, Ruth, during this uh, last couple of year period. Uh, we have seen um, a lot of businesses saw a big down uh, downward pressure in their business. Some businesses have actually gone up. Uh, what have you seen uh, when, when you talk to people? Are you talking to people more in the last couple of years because they feel pressure at work? Certainly, and or financial pressure, or um, just a basic. If they have to start over, what does that mean? Where are they going? What's best to do? All of those things create anxiety for people, fear, um, and just confusion a lot of times. When you say start over, what do you mean? Well, in this economy, many people have completely changed what career they're in, and mm-hmm. they've been forced to do that. Family business failed. and Correct. Or the company they worked for was relocated and they can't leave where they live and they have to find something else that is available in their area. So dealing with the stress of that is one of the benefits of EMDR. Um, Keeping the stress in check as you go along and recreate yourself. You mean reducing the stress. Correct. So that it's as low as it can be on a regular basis. And then also the imaginative, optimistic, creative process of who am I now, where am I going, what else could I do, what am I good at, all of those kinds of um, 
brainstorming, exploring aspects are also part of what EMDR can really help somebody with. So are there age ranges of people that uh, are more successful in going through EMDR, or is it at all age groups? All age groups. The only thing I would say about anybody 40, 45 up is that by then, all of us have accumulated an awful lot of life experience, Mm -hmm. and most of us have found there are things we're doing repeatedly that we're not pleased with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the consequences of those have been pretty heavy in our lives, and so it's a bit more complex work, but not always. A lot of times it's very quick and very um, short-lived work that people find, I'm a lot better and I'm moving on. Yeah, our uh, initial successes uh revolved around people telling them, hey, we were going to send you through six or eight weeks worth of uh, this EMDR program, and we were getting success, and if you would, cure rate at two to three weeks. Almost no one went went through the full eight. Right. And uh, today we tell most people that you're going you're gonna to finish in a month. Right. But certainly nobody should expect that's always the way it goes. There's always outliers in those directions. Oh, yeah, we find some some really strange problems. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break here, Ruth. And, uh, again, people can call in on 646-595-4916. Let's listen to a, a couple of uh, Sandler commercials. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. Why do some business owners make lots of money while others endure years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No. These are all called excuses, which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth. I'm back again with Ruth Ellabush. Uh, Ruth, why don't you... uh, tell the folks who are listening 
how they can get a hold of you after the show. 513-266-0236. And if someone wanted to uh, look at your website, where would they go? RuthEllerbush.com. Ellerbush is E-L-L-E-R, be like boy, U-S-C-H. Great. Uh, Ruth, I thought uh, before we go much further, uh, we should explain a little bit about the human brain and a little bit about how it works and why EMDR, or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, was such a breakthrough in therapy. Yeah, the breakthrough happened in the late 80s with Francine Shapiro, and at the time that that happened, the brain research had not really caught up with what she stumbled on. Um, We now know quite a bit about what is really happening, and what to try to encapsulate it in a quick overview, the brain has three main sections. The lower two sit on the neck, are in the back of your skull and have the in the programming for instinct that is similar to what reptiles have and what all mammals have so that we have an instinctual response to things that keeps us alive um, mm-hmm. that instinctual response always goes primarily in the direction of caution safety watch out be careful and it's pretty simplistic. It's how animals operate. doesn't see a big picture. It's all about survival. In my field and in the general population, uh, people call it negative thinking. I prefer to call it survival thinking because we need it very much. There's nothing negative about it. But it is in contrast to what the high brain does. And the high brain caps our brain. It starts at our eyebrows. It goes all the way back. And it takes care of everything we do as humans that separates us from everything else on the planet, all the rest of the animal kingdom. It includes logic, judgment, reason, creativity, spirituality, conscience. And we want that part in charge, but it doesn't always stay in charge. And there's um, a process during REM sleep that is when the brain is doing all that activity to get the high brain in charge or to make decisions. If there's been danger in your day, which can be anything from I was humiliated to I was almost killed, the low brains will lock onto that and potentially you may get stuck in a survival mode. EMDR is a way to get your brain to function at that same level of REM except you're awake. And so when the brain is working in that high processing capacity when you're awake, we can direct the processing. And the way that that works is you get the instinct decision to um, be more identified, open up, it intensifies, it crescendos, and then it calms down. And then you engage the high brain to reprocess things. Well, it's been said for a long time in in sales training that uh, we're a function of our subconscious mind. Uh, Could you comment about that for a moment? Say the sentence again. Uh, A lot of people in sales training for the last hundred years have been talking about the subconscious mind that's controlling 
Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. What uh, is the relationship between the high-functioning brain and the alligator brain and the subconscious mind? Where is that? Okay. Um, I compare the, the way that language is used is kind of um, confusing, but most people, um, we have what we often call um, we're learning something to where we know something. That's the process we all go through from birth. We want to become unconsciously competent in a new skill. Correct. We also call that short-term memory to long-term memory. And Mm -hmm. in my world, we call that the conscious mind to the unconscious mind. Once things are in the unconscious mind, in long-term memory, they aren't easily consciously retrieved. We know Mm -hmm. it's all in there, but we don't know every little nuance of what got in there. So this is kind of like uh, a letter that I wrote on my computer 10 years ago to somebody, and now I want to reuse it, but I can't remember the name of the document, but I know it's on that darn hard drive. I backed it up for 10 years. Exactly. But I have 25,000 files, and I don't know how to find it. Right. But if if I use a different kind of comparison, um, we have all these things we know how to do that if you're watching children, they're learning how to do. Open doors, put on shoes, ride a bike, write, read. Those are physical functions that we need. Mm -hmm. The social emotional learning that goes on all of our lives is how do you feel about yourself? How do you manage your emotions? What role do you play in a group? Can you handle a conflict? How do you handle stress? Can you go after your hopes and dreams? All of those aspects of us are also learned. Decisions are made and then that decision gets stashed in the unconscious and we're operating off of it on, on without complete automatically, without completely knowing how did it get in there and what's driving us. The beauty in EMDR is it really helps open up the memory streams that are connected to those decisions and then you can work with it. So if we wanted to make people better in sales, performance on the job, on on a tough sales call, what I'd like to do is uh, set them up so they can win uh, as opposed to lose. Correct. And lots of times when I meet salespeople for the first time, uh, they're set up to lose. Correct. They're programming. There might be something that's going off that's stopping them from doing what they intellectually want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam Lee used to say some salespeople repeat what they learned the first year on a sales job every year for the next 20 years. Okay. And I would like to see EMDR stop that from happening. Right. Once we recognize that something is a mistake, if you touch a hot stove and you burn your finger... Uh, maybe the first time you do that is enough to stop you from touching a hot stove. But it shouldn't stop you from touching a stove when it's not hot. Yes, but what you may not know is what is causing you to do that behavior. So uh, there's a tug of war that can happen between the instinct brains and the high brain. And the, the kind of the way it shows itself are the things we say like, 
I ought to be able to try this new thing, but I'm not getting myself to. I should be able to let go of this old thing, but I'm not getting there. I should feel better about myself, but I don't. Those are the kinds of things that are evidence that at night during REM, instinct has dominated the processing. Right. And I see that a lot in uh, in sales when people have to make cold calls. Tomorrow we're going to run a class on call reluctance, the first of two classes. Right. And for every 15 people, there'll be one in there who just can't lift the handset off a telephone. He swears or she swears that it weighs 15 pounds. Uh, there'll be another person who swears that that handset gets heavier on every lift. Right. Uh, some people say that the cleaning crew comes in in the middle of the night and they superglue the handset down to the cradle right. so that you cannot lift it. Exactly. Yeah, well... We know that doesn't happen, but it psychologically happens. And then the most interesting people for me are always the ones who's, who can't lift the phone the first time. But after the first call, the second one is easier. Yeah. The third one is e- even easier. Right. Some of that, I think, is probably just human nature. Well, I think there's a fear factor in there. And change is fear hard. Fear of rejection. Right. Rejection's hard. New territory's hard. That's true of all of us. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Sometimes you just need to get over that first step, get right. through that first step. Right. And if anyone's listening to this wants to learn how to do that, we have a compacted one-day cold call camp on August 29th. You can call my office after the show, and we'll give you the full details or send us an email. Uh, but I, I, I've seen that as an indicator, you know. Absolutely. Uh, someone sweats when they make that first cold call. I'll give it to them. That's normal. When they make the the, the 10th or 15th, exactly. that's another problem. Exactly. But even with the normal responses, there are many things you can learn to do with the EMDR process to just make that easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that we've done with a, with a client uh, is we, we had him write. He was supposed to be making 20 dials a day, 20 cold calls a day. And so we had him write us a check for $200. And we got to keep the check if he didn't do all 20 dials. This is for the last month now. That's good motivation. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't gotten to keep the cash the check yet. We still have it. He's still making his dials. Uh, He came to a class this week, and the class was over at 5 o'clock, and he ducked out of there to get on his cell phone. He said, Sorry, Mike. I got I got five more calls to make before five thirty. I don't want you to cash that check. Very good. Uh, so that was that was a, a big money motivator for him. Uh, when we uh, kind of removed the uh, psychological traps that people have, and we allow them to excel, what typically happens? Well, sometimes it's a, um, after an EMDR session, you see a huge dramatic shift where somebody is immediately able to do something and that stays in place. It's not something um, that they have to keep reminding themselves to do or um, get encouragement to do. Um, It's just truly a change in how the brain is 
uh, seeing the situation. Yeah, we had that, that young man who was the brother of the heating air conditioning dealer. Yeah. Uh, exactly. He had, he had a... Um, from a sales perspective, he was leaving money on the table. He was lowering his price on every deal to make the sale. And his brother, with the same sandler training, was getting his full price, and the brother wanted to help him out. There were some uh, outside symptoms, which I think we can talk about as long as we don't use the gentleman's name. Okay. Uh, like he didn't know who his dad was. Yeah, there was actually quite a bit of trauma in his life. Yes. In his childhood. It uh, was creating um, quite a bit of... Uh, discontent and uh, disharmony in his day-to-day living, not just his work life. So we, what, what transpires once somebody is engaged with me is I get a full history of what somebody has gone through, and step-by-step step we target traumas that we know are likely to be uh, influencing things, and we target the symptoms. And mm-hmm. then things unfold and things get reprocessed and somebody can have some freedom. Yeah. The way I remember that that particular case is uh, the first week there was a double or triple session. We did the intake session mm-hmm. and then uh, two hours of eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Right. And a week later, uh, this fellow came to our President's Club class and frankly, I didn't recognize him. Right. Psychologically, I was dealing with an entirely different guy. Correct. A guy who went on to an extremely successful road. We'll be talking some more with Ruth about uh, some of the cases that she's worked on over the last 15 or 16 years. Uh, But right now we're going to uh, listen to uh, David Sandler on the beginnings of the Sandler selling system. He was talking to a group of Sandler trainers in 1984. My other goal, but this started back in 67, but I just reinforced it in 1984. I wanted to be with, with a group of people like you. Entrepreneurs, accidents, wanted to make money, wanted to make a contribution, wanted to help other people. You know, they said that couldn't be done. You're living proof that that could be done sitting right in this room. You give yourselves a big hand. I wanted to be in a, in a, with an organization that really made a contribution to people. We were cleaning out our closets the other day, and we, I took down the Tony Robbins $179.50 course that we've never taken the cellophane off of. And Tony Robbins has a $10 million a month budget and a helicopter. But I don't think that helps a lot of people. And so, what I found out when I was selling these boxes for that Texas group was that I wanted to service people. I wanted people to get, take, to get advantage of what they were buying. And so I said to them, after I started to figure this thing out, after two or three years, I said, you know, let me give you the box of tapes free. And what I'm really going to sell you is why don't you come and visit me at the Holiday Inn? It happened to be this one. Why don't you come and visit me at the Holiday Inn every other Thursday night for the next year? 
and let me make sure you're using what I sold you. And they did. And we used to have 250 people up the road here at the Marriott. This place, place couldn't handle it. We used to have 250 people every other Thursday night show up for training. And they brought 25 to 30 of their friends. And 90% of those people joined the President's Club. So you're living proof that this business can, can be multiplied. No questions about that. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Ruth Ellabush. And uh, Ruth, let's uh, talk about a different case. Okay. This was a fellow uh, in the financial services world who went through therapy. He, he was doing okay in sales. We got him to do do better. He wanted to get to the next level, and he put himself in the EMDR therapy and. He got better. And frankly, after two or three years, he stopped coming to uh, President's Club meetings on a regular basis. And then I uh, I ran into him again in a networking function, and he, he was unhappy. Things weren't going as well as he would have liked. He changed jobs. And I said, come back to the President's Club. You bought a lifetime program. He saw it coming back to sessions. And... Uh, whether I brought it up or he brought it up, I can't can't really remember. But I said, you know, maybe you should uh, take a couple of brush up, brush up EMDR sessions, see if uh, anything new has cropped up in the way. And uh, sure enough, he goes uh, for yep. a couple of sessions. Remember? I sure do. Okay, and see if you can tell the audience uh, what happened. What I. What I remember most about that um, work was um, there, this individual was spending a great deal of energy, constantly frustrated with himself if he made the slightest error in any direction. And that's just wasted energy. And it was inaccurate. He was assessing himself as um, not he wasn't accurately assessing himself. So we worked with that, and I think we got into some messages that he got from his father, and we, mm. we reworked those messages so that he could release that self-concept. Well, actually, this fellow in his early career had worked in the family business. Mm-hmm. And so, and just in childhood in general, all those things come together. And once we reworked it, he was much... Um, gentler with himself, not that he wasn't still a high achiever and going after a lot of um, work-related business, but he wasn't beating himself up constantly. He even reported that that was getting better on the tennis court. Right, I remember that. Yeah. He was frustrated with his tennis game. Yeah, I think he broke a fair number of rackets in that process, but at any rate, that could be an exaggeration. I, I think that he did do that. Um, but he did report that he was starting to enjoy tennis more and not be so hard on himself. So it shows up in all kinds of directions in your life when you repair one of those inner demons. Right. Uh, I'd like to go backwards a, a, a step okay. just so we can talk about some of those hidden demons and the surface manifestations uh, that I see as a non-therapist which 
kind of are the indicators that maybe we ought to go and consider doing some EMDR therapy. Okay. Uh, some of these indicators, and this is, doesn't necessarily uh, constitute a complete list, but I like to talk about a childhood abuse. Okay. Right. Uh, was this person physically abused, uh, mentally abused, sexually abused, uh, abuse uh, by neglect, uh, almost uh, a latchkey kid right. is as a candidate uh, by that definition. The uh, definition or, or the, the scope gets bigger uh, because sometimes uh, little children repress memories. Uh, once we had a uh, client who remembered being a victim of the Catholic uh, priests mm -hmm. and he wanted to get better in sales. In his case, right. before we could do sales training, the first thing we had to do was send right. send them over to EMDR. Right. Uh, we had another case. It was really, I, I thought it was kind of a fun case where the guy, the guy, 35-year-old salesperson, remembered that when he was five or six years old, his mom worked in the uh, Catholic school cafeteria. His dad worked at the same school as a janitor. And so when this little six-year-old boy did anything out of line, the nuns were all over mom and dad. And right. so uh, his life situation made it more difficult. Sure. We get the life situation. Uh, you know, the question I ask is, did you, was there a divorce in your family right. before you were 18 years of age? Uh, the next question would be, uh, in your household where you were living, uh, did a brother or sister, mom or dad, die before you were 18? Right. Right. Major uh, loss. Major loss. Mm -hmm. uh, major loss can be extremely painful. Absolutely. And, uh, when someone goes under the, the EMDR therapy program, they can feel that uh, pain again. Yes, that's absolutely going to happen. Um, whenever you open up one of these um, pieces of history, whatever was felt at the time is going to be revisited. But it is brief. Mm -hmm. It's usually 10, 15 minutes of any given session. And then there's a generally great relief on the other side of that, and it's done. It's not like we have to do that ten times. Right, and, and you always have a box of tissues handy. Absolutely. I remember. Uh, the uh, next thing that that I like to look for is uh, if this person was adopted as a child. Okay, children who were adopted at birth are affected just as much as uh, little children who were adopted at three or, or two years of age, uh, they have this feeling of rejection subconsciously planted in their brain, uh, which may not hurt them if they're a teacher, may not hurt them if they're a doctor, but if they're in a sales position where they're expected to develop new business every week. Right. And face rejection every day. Could cause a, a, sure. a big problem. Absolutely. Um, 
I remember one case that we had. Uh, this was a case of a, a client who uh, was of the was an Asian Indian whose family moved here to America when he was about three or four years of age. Mm-hmm. They moved to Texas, okay. and going to school every day, he would get into fights. Right, and to protect himself. He learned how to fight. Yeah. And here he is in sales. And he could get into psychological fights with people, both inside of his own company and on the prospect side of the table. Right. So he wasn't optimizing his performance. Right. Alienating people. Hmm. Yes. And he was dealing with tough people. Uh, I remember the outcome is this guy in, in the first year that he worked with us with the extra EMDR therapy, he doubled his income. That's always a nice outcome. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it might be helpful if I could explain learned helplessness. Oh, yes. This is a, a, a theory in uh, Nobel Prize winning theory that Martin Sigelman Correct. invented. It was the study that he did in the 70s that he probably could not do any longer because he was mean to dogs. But he put dogs in a cage, had the floor wired, shocked the dogs, they ran out, put the dogs back in the cage, locked the door, shocked the dogs repeatedly. They try, try, try to get out. They eventually give up, lay down, and take it. Whimpered and take it. Correct. And then... He opens the door and the dogs don't leave. There's a third group of dogs that when they touch a button in the cage, they stop the shock. Oh, okay. That may be, but that's... um, But the... And then the second thing they did mm -hmm. uh, was they took the top off the cage, lowered the walls, so the dogs could actually jump out. Right. Now, the dogs that uh, laid down and whimpered mm-hmm. never jumped out right. of the cage. Really a small percentage jumped out. I think it's about 20% left. The rest stayed. Well, the ones the ones that touched the button to get out and the button no longer worked, Right. they stayed. Right. But the ones uh, that never were shocked in the cage because there was a group that was never given a shock. Yeah. And so when they were given a shock the first time and the cage was open top and low sides, they simply left. Right, right. So the, the Sigelman wrote this book on learned helplessness, which later won the Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. Now, tell everyone how this relates to eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Learned helplessness has three aspects that he identified that are part of what the survival commands will do in that situation for mammals, which we are a mammal and we have a mammal brain. Those three aspects are, um, it's my responsibility, which means it's about me. It's forever and it's everywhere. And he coins that as personal, permanent, and pervasive. Those are the three questions that 
are part of every EMDR uh, session when you get to the point that you're ready to reprocess the information. And so the questions then become, did that really mean you're stupid? Did that really mean um, there's something wrong with you? Was it really your responsibility? Those are the personal questions you might ask somebody. Um, is it over now? Are you safe now? And what are your choices now that you're not in that situation any longer? So once you work those three points through, the person can get out of the cage. They can walk right out and stay out. Right. There's no need to continue to be helpless. Right. We're going to take a, a short break now, Ruth. And again, if anyone wants to call in, we have time probably to take one call, 646 595 one, six. When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one- or two-day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523. 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Ruth Ellabush. Ruth, uh, I, I think maybe in this next uh, few minutes, it might be a good idea to give uh, our listeners a set of examples or examples of eye movement. Issues. Yeah. So um, there are a few cases in my entire practice that stand out. Some of them I've worked with Mike and some of them are other independent clients, but it's been about performance or how they're operating in the world um, that's getting in their way. One of them was a, a doctor, and all of these people have given me permission to tell their stories but without their names. Um, he was a big guy, came across as very competent, very powerful. Uh, very highly educated, but he never could assert himself with his business partners. It frustrated him greatly. He always assumed it was because his sister had been sickly 
and he had taken a back seat in the family to her illness, and so he never spoke up. And I said, well, that may be true, but with EMDR, we don't assume anything. We just look at the problem and see where your um, memories take us, and then we work with it. And within 30 seconds of the session beginning, he was remembering being bit by a dog when he was three years old in the face. It was a serious bite. He could have been mauled to death, but in fact, he survived. He had a scar that was under a beard. So it never came up. He never thought about it. Um, but in that experience, to survive, he assessed as a three-year-old, if I'm quiet, maybe I'll get through this. Mm. And that generalized in life to anytime I'm around a powerful individual, I'm quiet. So, and it had really gotten him very stuck professionally. So how do we get this... Um non-assertive doctor to become more assertive because well, I think we both know reading books on assertiveness doesn't make someone correct. assertive. He had tried all of that. He tried guided imagery. He tried hypnosis. He tried talk therapy. He'd done all of the right positive thinking, all of those. But once we got into this memory with the dog, um, we were able to help him see that was an isolated event. It wasn't a constant and he could speak up with his business partners even though he'd been bit by a dog as a three-year-old. Mm, so it was the three-year-old's memory, uh, the emotion that the three-year-old put into the file folder that came up in those situations that, that was correct for a three-year-old near a dog, but incorrect for a 33-year-old physician. Correct. And in fact, he left that session, called a meeting with his partners, changed his business. That's a good 15 years ago. He's run his own deal quite fine since then. So how many sessions did it take to get that In his out? case, that was one session. He did probably, a, he absolutely did a session with me before to get his history. The history session, and then he did and then one, one EMDR session. session. One EMDR session. And then we had a total cure. Correct. Can you tell another story about uh, performance issues yeah. in sales? Um, there are two simple ones. I worked with a young woman who had math anxiety, and in her job she had to... Math. Anxiety about doing arithmetic. Correct. Which is really not uncommon. A lot of people are very threatened by math. Okay. Um, so we... Um, looked at it, and in fact, her father had been the, ha, her helper with homework and had been very emotionally abusive when she didn't get the math problems right. Mm. And once we straightened that out, she was fine. She was in a class in college, mm -hmm. and once we straightened that session out, she had no trouble doing math. There's another young man I worked with who genetically in DNA was painfully shy, DNA or shyness is a DNA aspect. It is not always something that comes about from trauma. So this was in his personality. Correct. And he was really struggling in all kinds of ways. So um, his biggest discomfort was getting through the cafeteria line to the table of his friends in the lunchroom in high school. This was the biggest problem in high school? 
this was a very painful experience for him to be in a crowd of that many people. To be, oh, to be in a crowd. Right, to be around other people. Well, all we had to do was put him in a New York City subway car right. during rush hour. Well, that's that one, cured me. Yeah, that's um, implosion therapy that you can do it that way too. Um, but it, all we did was have him imagine that the people in the cafeteria were relatively muted. He could hardly see them. He wasn't aware of them. And he just went to the table where his friends were. Um, that's an imagination technique, not extremely painful work. That same day, he went out to dinner with his family and for the very first time ever, ordered his own meal at the restaurant. Which how, was, how old the gentleman was this? He was 16 years old. That's how painfully shy he was. Wow. But his entire family was dumbfounded that he suddenly was talking to this waitress. And so, so that was that's an example of using imagination to overcome a personality trait that helps you function better out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which for some people in sales, shyness is going to be part of, you know, public speaking, getting in front of people. Yeah, let's say public speaking is one of the great fears yeah, that people absolutely. have. Uh, maybe uh, in, in, in just maybe two minutes or less, Ruth, could you okay. contrast and compare uh, hypnotherapy, which many people are familiar with, right. to eye movement desensitization and reprocessing? Well, um, hypnotherapy puts you in an altered state of consciousness. I honestly don't know how to speak about that with the brain because it's not my field. But everybody knows, you know, a good hypnotherapist can get people to do things that they're not pleased with doing, pretending to be a chicken in front of other people on the street kind of stuff. Um, EMDR does not... Put you Actually, in I believe that's only if you want to <laughs> be the center of attention. Well, it could be. I don't understand hypnotherapy to the degree I could speak to that well, but it is an altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it does. it is helpful to use hypnotherapy. I often recommend that people try some hypnotherapy. There's certainly nothing wrong with that approach, but it is not accessing the processing that EMDR does, which EMDR absolutely replicates what our brain does every night all night in REM. And that is the time of day the brain is consolidating memory, making decisions, creating the blueprint that we operate off of. And EMDR helps rewrite that blueprint. Mm, That's an interesting... But you're not in an altered state of consciousness. I can't get you in an EMDR session to do something ridiculous or to believe something you don't believe. Right. That's been tested. Yeah, It's it's my belief that hypnotherapy only works... For instance, to stop smoking, if deep down in your heart before you start hypnotherapy you want to sure. stop smoking and then you use the hypnotherapy uh, as your subconscious logic to be. cause you to stop picking up the cigarette and smoking. Uh, and there are situations in sales where simple hypnotherapy okay. is is a good thing. Well, hypnotherapy is never going to hurt you. That is exactly my point. Right. Uh, whereas EMDR, we we will have between 10 and 15% of the people that go through it who we want to be better in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would wake up one day and say, I don't want to be in sales. I'm in sales for all the wrong reasons. Right, right. That I should really happen. be an engineer. I should really be an architect. Sure maybe even a CPA. 
Absolutely. No offense to anyone listening who's a CPA. But all of that means you're more healthy as an individual, and oh. your life will be so much more satisfying. People get a, a lot happier. Right. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the young man earlier who uh, was working for his brother. One day he woke up, was more successful selling uh, heating and air conditioning systems, but he was really smart. He was great with numbers. And he tells me, Mike, I'm going to be quitting. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to become a turf accountant. I said, what do you mean a turf accountant? He said, a bookie. Because <laughs> that's the only place in the country it's legal. Right. I, I want to work with numbers. Right. I don't want to work with people anymore. Right. And you know, he made a positive life decision. It was a, a much happier gentleman. Uh, than, than someone who uh, would feel trapped. Correct. Correct. But speaking about CPAs, there was a CPA we worked with long ago who uh, put herself into the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And after a couple of weeks, it became obviously clear that the problem wasn't between her and a business development issue. It was between her and her 16-year-old yeah, daughter. Remember you remember that, that case? Uh-huh. Sure do. Uh, so these things happen. But uh, it does help you, you sort out what's really going on and what needs to happen to fix the problem. Right. Uh, and the last topic I want to bring up is this, this thing called stage fright. Okay. Because Sandler said selling is a Broadway play That's right. performed by a psychiatrist. Can EMDR combat Stage fright. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Any any kind of so big fright reaction, EMDR is perfect for that. Yeah, because we we get get people to write their own script of what they're right. supposed to say, right. and then sticking to it. Will you do a twofold approach? You go after the fear to see if it's originating from a trauma, mm-hmm. and you heal that. And if it's not originating from a trauma, or even if it is, you then add some imagination work to help the person design how they really want to be behaving. And we get them over the top of this stage fright. Ruth, I I really want to uh, say uh, I appreciate you being on the show today. It's been great being here. We're going to be giving you a copy of... uh, one of David Matson and Bruce Seidman's uh, new book, The Eleven Sandler Insights. Okay. Folks, if you haven't read it yet, you really should. It's number one bestseller uh, on the uh, Amazon site and on the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, site. Uh, tomorrow's show, again, is going to be Cliff Blaylock. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.